It's five o'clock. I'm going to call the meeting to order. Trustee Lawrence. Uh, present. Trustee Banerjee. Here. Trustee DeVries. He's here. He's here somewhere. Yes. Oh, yes. Trustee Hernandez. Here. Trustee Jensen. Here. Trustee Lujanani. Present. Trustee Varney. Here. Trustee Zorthian. Here. We have a quorum. Great. Uh, and it appears that we will be moving into session, and we're going to go to room 3702, and we will be discussing pending litigation, and uh, according to Government Code 54957, potential litigation, Government Code 54956, um, and so I'm going to... Um, close the meeting and move into closed session. So the uh, board met in closed session as indicated in the agenda and did not take any action. Go to the approval of our, oh no. Um, we have open session, I beg your pardon. Uh, I just need to get reorganized. Um, so I'm opening for the public comment section, and each comment is limited to three minutes per speaker. And I do have one speaker who has signed up. And so, Mr. Rose, um, you're welcome to address the board. Thank you, President Lawrence and uh, distinguished board members and staff. Um, I'm Joe Rose. I'm president of NAMI Alameda County South. That's the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And I addressed your board last time on January 13th, uh, referring to the need for additional psychiatric beds in Alameda County. Uh, but that's no surprise to any of us because we know that's a national problem, not just uh, local to Alameda County. And when I uh, addressed that, I talked about behavioral health care services has MHSA funding uh, projects in, in many areas, including but not limited to stigma reduction, prevention, early intervention, and uh, reduction of rehospitalizations. If, if stigma reduction is working, I would expect one of the outcomes to be more people seeking psychiatric help. And that would put additional pressure on an already burdened system of care. Hence, prevention, early intervention, and reduction of rehospitalizations must reduce the need for an existing burden on the psychiatric system of care, John George Psychiatric Hospital included. So, one of the programs to reduce rehospitalizations is the Mentor on Discharge Program, a program of NAMI Alameda County South. And so, what I'd like you to do is look, I had a handout on what uh, results were for a, a grant that we had. And the top of that says final results. And of the, uh, there are 60 uh, cohorts in that for an 18-month grant period. Of the, uh, in the 12 months prior to getting a mentor as a part of the mentor and discharge program, uh, there was um, 173 hospitalizations. And after having a mentor, there was 48 rehospitalizations. And of that 30% or close to 30% that were rehospitalized, their hospitalization rate was about two months. And after getting a mentor, their rehospitalization rate went to about six months. 
And the end of Asia part of this was getting the mentor to establish a relationship with the patient prior to discharge. So it was seamless from the hospital to the community. There are other mentor programs out there, but none that established the relationship within the hospital. So that's the personal side of it. And if you look at the other side on return on investment, the grant was uh, $238,000. We saved uh, through a cost avoidance uh, of emissions by, uh, of 125 admissions. And the average cost of hospital admissions at John George is $8,500. Gross system savings is a uh, little over a million dollars. And so our return on investment there was uh, uh, over $800,000. So if you look at that, it should be a no-brainer, in my mind, to get funding through behavioral health care services. Uh, it's been two years since the Board of Supervisors has approved it, but behavioral health care services still hasn't funded the program. So any help that you can give me in helping me get the behavioral health care services to, to fund this with supervisor, Board of Supervisors approval, it will be greatly appreciated. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Rose. Any other public comment? Okay, then I will uh, move to the board president report and I will reserve my comment to later on in the agenda um, with the action items. Uh, CEO report. Uh, thank you, um, Madam President. Uh, I'll try to be very brief in the interest of time. I know we had a lengthy uh, closed session. Um, uh, just a few things I'd like to update uh, the board on. Um, um, one is uh, I'm happy to share that we, under the leadership of Dr. Minnie Swift, who presented to you earlier this month, and, and John Chapman, the CAO for uh, the Highland Campus, um, we have uh, successful, successfully launched phase one of our uh, Alameda Health Systems Transfer Center. Uh, a transfer center uh, is, is a common thing within a multi-hospital system and the overarching goal of a transfer center is to optimize care delivery and uh, resource utilization across the system by placing uh, patients in a, in a timely fashion and in a safe fashion uh, where, the, where the care or the services that they may need. Uh, a need for a transfer um, um, of a patient is primarily driven by uh, a level of service need that may not be where they are or a particular type of service. Uh, for example, um, if a patient in the Highland ED needs an inpatient stay uh, or to be admitted but we're at capacity here, then a transfer center would facilitate that patient being admitted with a uh, admitting provider and all the other uh, resources at one of our other sites uh, where there may be a, an available bed. Um, another example is if a patient uh, at John George uh, suddenly needed medical attention uh, in addition to their psychiatric uh, care and needed to be transferred here, that a transfer center could facilitate that process in a more standardized, efficient way. Or if a patient needed to come to Highland for um, uh, cardiac catheterization, that's not offered at every uh, uh, site or uh, interventional radiology. So uh, historically, we've done this on sort of a case-by-case -case basis with some standardization, but not uh, consistent. So uh, with the leadership of this team, uh, we now have um, uh, the center in place, a leader for that center, and a standardized process by which we'll do this. It's only phase one, and the phase one focus on inpatient to inpatient primarily. So uh, transfers that need to come from uh, Alameda or uh, San Leandro to Highland and vice versa. Uh, so we have that in place, and the next steps are for some of those other things like uh, cardiac catheterizations or uh, interventional radiology or uh, needs to transfer patients. Uh, out of our system to somewhere else for a different need that is not provided in the system. So 
so excited about finally having that uh, up and going. And really, uh, I, I sort of have to remind myself and others that we've we've been a multi-hospital system, other than sort of uh, multi-sites under the same license, but multi-hospital system not quite fully two years with all the systems and so uh, it's it's you know it's been a while coming and it's sort of been a, it's certainly been a source of frustration for a lot of our providers so we're excited that it's finally here and uh, looking forward to uh, expanding on the efforts that have already done uh, been done so but but kudos to the individuals and their work uh, thus far uh, quickly I wanted to tell you about the 11 excuse me I have Sorry. Question. is it a is it a physical place in which patients go or is it an electronic center in which oh, it's, in it's, which um, their, their records are sent. Yeah, thank you. Great question. No, it's an administrative office, if you will, basically, where information gets uh, conveyed. So, okay. yeah. Thank you. Uh, it's an office that's sort of facilitating the transfers where the patients go from one pa one care site to another care site. Yeah. Okay. Uh, with the 1115 waiver, obviously a big portion of our, uh, an important part of our supplemental funding. We've talked about it in fair detail. We're, we're excited that, you know, the new waiver was approved. There's been a lot of work and in the intervening time to get ready for uh, the final implementation of this next five-year waiver, uh, both internally and externally. So internally, we have a, a steering cr uh, group that meets on a weekly basis to make sure that all the three main components of the waiver, uh, Prime, GPP, the Global Payment Program, and uh, uh, whole person care, which is a county-led initiative for which we are uh, participating with, but we uh, we keep track of that internally on a weekly basis and make sure that we're tracking along with all the pieces that we need uh, to be able to submit a uh, successful and a uh, responsive uh, package once it's time to submit that uh, when that deadline is set. Um, Externally, there's more work being done uh, with the state and the federal government to finish up what are called the attachments to the standard terms and conditions, which all lay out how the reimbursements will occur, what sort of targets and uh, reporting is required uh, on behalf of all the participating entities. Um, uh, that is still going on. Uh, it's progressing, uh, but it's taking a while. Uh, and so to that end, there's a piece of this that's impacting then the timeliness of uh, the, the, the payments that we'll get under this new waiver that David will talk a little bit more about in the um, in his finance update. But there's some there's a little concern on our part with the, the with the delays that this is uh, that this is providing to us. Not a concern uh, about the the reimbursement, if you will, uh, particularly in the first year, uh, where the the targets are a little easier for us to achieve. Uh, there's a fair degree of certainty around the reimbursement, but the timing of it creates cash flow issues as well as issues with our debt agreement. And again, David will talk about that a little bit more. Um, just wanted to remind the board that uh, with respect to the, um, the bylaws, uh, revisions, and, and recommended changes that um, we dealt with in fair detail at the end of last year in the joint meetings and sessions with the, uh, with the health committee, uh, that that work, uh, the follow-up work on that is ongoing. Uh, a lot of work is occurring uh, w uh, between myself and uh, the general counsel and the clerk uh, for on our side, and there's work also being done on the county side for some of the follow-up items that need to occur. Uh, it's all in preparation for, as you say, some of that involves some uh, interaction that I've had with some of you on some of the items. Uh, that is all in preparation for a joint meeting that we're coordinating between uh, your board and the Board of Supervisors that is tentatively slated now for March 2nd. Uh, and in that meeting, uh, we'll be discussing a number of things, including the bylaws changes, um, the 330H legislation, which is for the FQHC status for our homeless uh, 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 outreach clinics. Um, 
as well as uh, the debt agreement. So uh, more to come on that. And between now and then, you'll, when we're done with all those sort of follow-up actions, we'll be uh, submitting to your board a review because you'll be prepared. So you'll be prepared for the joint conversation and then the approval process that occurs after that. Um, I, just a real quick reminder, we're looking forward to seeing those of you who can join us tomorrow for the uh, uh, ACT dedication event uh, for the new acute care tower. Uh, really a reflection of a very, um, uh, I think, uh, successful partnership with the county and the, uh, the health system and other uh, key partners to uh, bring forward a, a beautiful uh, facility, a very uh, 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 nice and high-tech facility that will be uh, will allow us to deliver very uh, uh, good patient experience that matches the quality of the care that's always been delivered here. So uh, we look forward to seeing you tomorrow for that event. And our very own uh, Trustee Lawrence will be one of the members of the dais and, and, and speaking on behalf of uh, the Board of Trustees for the organization. Uh, the last thing I'd like to share with you is the strategic plan update. Um, that uh, thank you again to those of you who were able to participate in phase one uh, that we completed a few weeks ago where we were doing the environmental uh, scan, if you will, and uh, uh, both internally and externally. Uh, beginning next week, we'll be entering to phase two, which is uh, uh, what we're referring to as environmental scenario planning. I've, I've discussed that with some of you where uh, we'll have a series of three uh, meetings with um, uh, internal leaders for the organization, both uh, clinical and administrative, to talk through any set of um, possible scenarios of the future and what sort of plannings we would do under those and then from there derive uh, a set of actions that will form a strategic plan that will be uh, that will have a greater likelihood of success and uh, uh, better sort of positioning for the organization irrespective of what is actually going to occur in the future which we're acknowledging we really have no ability to to uh, to uh, really uh, determine with any degree of, of fidelity. So, so this plan sort of hedges our bets in a way that's a little um, less volatile to being 100% wrong about what might, might occur uh, three years from now. And uh, that is all I have. I, I, I do want to acknowledge uh, Trustee Banerjee. I, I got your question today about the Zika virus. Uh, I did sort of my own uh, lit review. I've heard about it and uh, because I, my wife and I traveled to Brazil when she was pregnant, I was really like, we, we dodged a bullet there. Um, uh, we, uh, w I talked to Dr. Walker. We'll, we'll be following up with our infectious disease uh, uh, or infection control leadership here to see if there is any guidance. I know that you know the CDC and the WHO and others are actively sort of uh, current, um, convening to determine whether or not this is a um, an international epidemic. It is big in the Americas, mostly South America and Central America, but we have had uh, what I read was about two dozen instances in uh, the U.S., and I think that includes a I think what was later determined, though I don't know, uh, a false alarm that may have happened in the Berkeley area, though I don't know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, CMS has not identified. They're not. The the HHS isn't at this point seen any cases in California. That's what Dave and I Dave I think mentioned that's right. yesterday. Yeah, I think there was a false alarm somewhere in the Berkeley area about a week or so ago. Uh, but we'll be following up to see, and then certainly uh, following what the um, the regulatory leadership is doing, so that we are we're we're immediately responsive as well. Thank you. Any questions of the CEO from the board? Um, it's not a question. I'd just like to. If you have a, a one-pager on the the transfer the transfer system or office, that would be helpful just to get a kind of better idea or a how it works and what it idea. is. Yeah, that'd be Gladly, cool. we'll produce that for you. Thank you.
Uh, medical staff report, please. Hi. Uh, thank you very much for this opportunity. Uh, my name is Dr. Swapnil Shah, and I represent the uh, what we call, quote unquote, the core. However, it is technically Highland, Fairmont, John George, and the ambulatory medical staff. And uh, Drs. Dewan and Dr. Yako couldn't make it here, but they, we will be creating this new format in order to give the Board of Trustees some more information um, so we can get a better sense of what might be going on from a quality standpoint uh, from our perspective. Uh, we, I'd like to say I'm honored to represent the entire medical staff, and hopefully we can answer some questions that you might have uh, about the written packets that are in front of you. There were a couple of months uh, where, because of the holidays, there may not have been um, as much interaction. However, you can see that the January 28th report is in front of you. And one of the key things uh, I'd like to point out in the preventable harm section is that we are aggressively working on our length of stay. Um, and we are seeing some improvements in that length of stay due to some operational issues that we're putting in, into play here. Um, and so as we go about figuring out how our operations are going to affect these metrics, um, it's also going to be um, important for us to figure out which ones we want to put on dashboards and which ones we think uh, we don't need to pay as much attention to as we look towards patient center care and customer service. Um, it was a huge honor for the medical staff to be invited uh, to a strategic planning session that uh, Mr. Finley held yesterday. And it was also an even bigger deal that we were, as physicians, invited to run uh, actual forums uh, for defining strategies and defining barriers to strategy. So as we forge this relationship, I'd like to um, formally thank this leadership and especially uh, Dr. Walker and uh, Mr. Finley, Mr. Cox, for not only giving us the forum to speak openly in their meetings, but coming to our meetings consistently and answering tough questions that the staff is bringing forward. And I think through this interaction and through the ability to share that data with you, um, we can actually push forward in a common strategy. And uh, I think everybody here agrees that that's the best way to do it. Um, we do want to share a little bit of data about the delinquency rate we had with our medical records. And we all know that that's an issue. This, the medical staff, the administration, and as we push forward to unify the system, uh, we want to stay behind, below a certain threshold. And as you can see here, um, we have done a great job working on this and staying be, below that threshold of 10% to the point where we're considering um, do we come to a new threshold. Now, I know that there's a, a, lot of different, a lot of different things that go into that decision, but that is being discussed, and that's something that I think we can say we're proud of. Um, but if there's any other questions, I'd be uh, happy to answer them now. There we go. All right. Um, I think I have two questions for you. Sure. So, um, actually, with respect to the medical record delinquency rate, yes. um, probably a few, uh, what exactly does that mean? That's a good question. Um, and as we continue to define that, um, mm -hmm. that, that is an even more valid question. But I'll, I'll take a rough answer. Generally, <laughs> what that means is when care is provided, it is the responsibility of the provider to document exactly what was done 
mm -hmm. by either dictating it or some sort of written form. And those forms can be varied depending on the hospital and the system. In ours, it's, it's through computer dictation and even written forms. Sign, date, time, everything. Confirm exactly what was done, not only to provide communication between providers, but also to provide appropriate billing mm -hmm. and recovery of those bills. Um, then the provider has to go back and is given an opportunity to review that information that they may have laid down mm -hmm. at, during the time of the care providing to then confirm it and then sign it, whether that be electronic or through an actual handwritten mm -hmm. signature. And that allows for various things to occur, most important patient safety, and then secondly, you know, the actual execution of our daily operations. Um, and if that is not done within a standard amount of time, and that's which is defined as an industry standard, let's say 30 days, then you get into a delinquency situation mm -hmm. where certain charts and certain care that may have been provided in the past is not being clearly documented and clearly um, reviewed by mm -hmm. the provider and gets into a questionable realm of um, standing up in, let's say, you know, against judgment as to what was done for this patient. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, I mean, it's, you know, not many people like to do documentation. No. And it, you know, it's, it's for many people the unfun part of the thing. But, you know, so 10%, I mean, it's hard. I, I acknowledge that. Yeah. Uh, I guess my, so my concern is what, what effect is that delinquency rate having? And my, one of my questions was probably to our CFO, which is, you know, what is that costing us money-wise? But as you bring up, there's a, a clinical aspect to it too. So what is it kind of costing us clinically? Well, let, let, let's, I think, yeah, you know, from a financial standpoint, I think Mr. Cox can handle yeah. that. But from a clinical standpoint, it's very important because okay. let's say we're talking about a transfer yeah. or let's say we're talking about a patient who had surgery two weeks ago and mm -hmm. is now back in the ER. Mm -hmm. If we haven't clearly documented what happened in that surgery and what the plan is, that patient's care can greatly suffer because everything we do moving forward mm -hmm. in that second visit should be based on what was already done. Mm -hmm. it, it shouldn't be the patient's responsibility to know everything that was done. Sure. It should be ours. So if we can't clearly communicate to our own providers what was mm -hmm. done and what should be done, I think our patients are at great peril. Okay. And that is, to me, in my mind, the most important aspect of the clinical documentation. Okay. And what, what would you say is kind of a best practice um, delinquency rate that you see? And, and you can see here that 10% is, is coming from an industry standard, and that is... That is That's the industry yeah, standard. That it, it depends on what a hospital can define it as, but it, it, it can be anywhere from 5 6% to 10%. Did you have anything to add? Yeah. So the industry standard is about 50%. I mean, most yeah. medical sta um, staff, 50%. If you're at 50%, you're pretty good. So the fact that we're at 10%, it means there's been a lot of yeah. work that's been done by the medical staff. I was actually going to say at my last facility, this I would I would have been I would have taken twenty percent. Yeah. This is awesome. Yeah, but I think that that threshold is getting lower. You know, for most medical staffs at this point, I don't know if you agree, but I, I do. I was going to say part of part of that that challenge is, is across the board. Though some organizations uh, are uh, still largely paper, and paper processes kind of confound this. So it's not necessarily just. Uh, it's a systemic issue. It's not just the provider not not um, necessarily like signing and dating or finishing his or her documentation. It could be that if a patient, say for example, transferred from one unit to another, that the chart 
or parts of the chart didn't go with it, and and then they mysteriously show up later. There's a lot of sort of things that that are kind of scary, but that do occur. And some of the uh, so so we do say uh, some of the uh, pieces of what happens here. And correct me, um, clinicians, if you if you uh, uh, disagree with this, is is that sometimes uh, the delinquency can can be something as I don't want to say mundane, but it can be something as similar as, as you didn't t uh, time and date something that mm -hmm. that makes it a an incomplete record. Uh, but the information could could be completely copious and correct. Uh, but just to the letter of the law, those things occur. So, so at 10%, uh, we shouldn't assume that all of that is like some really alarming things. But it does prevent uh, the complete closure of a record from an episode of care, and and that can have uh, implications. Well, why don't I put this back into Pandora's box for now? Uh, <laughs> that, 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 that was very <laughs> helpful. Um, I have more questions, but in the interest of time, I'll, um, I'll, I'll rest. <laughs> thank you. Thank, thank you, Dr. Shaw. If, oh, thank you. Uh, David Cox, if, we, if it went from 8 to 6%, even uh, went down by 2%, the delinquency rate, how much uh, would you be able to give a number on how much? Um, so uh, this is, is um, actually it's a very important uh, legal record that uh, is important not only for clinical but it actually begins the billing process and the billing process cannot begin without the signature on that document. So um, currently, and I was actually happened to be looking at the write-off codes today, we're, we're losing probably two hundred thousand dollars a month due to this issue. Um, because things, when they don't, when they don't, they don't get signed, they can't be billed. When you don't build, you go, you time out, you, and you lose the ability to bill. So just step, you know, divide um, two hundred thousand by ten, so twenty thousand per percent per month. Okay. Uh, how has um, the new coding system affected affected this uh, ICD ten? Is that? Um, it's it's definitely been um, an interesting journey for the providers. <laughs> Um, as, as some of our providers have actually come into this technological aspect of billing, it's been a little difficult for them, quite frankly. But Ingenious Med, which is the system that we're using here uh, for a lot of the providers that I know, has, is kind of the newer system that then coaches you through all of these new codes. And is, once you get the hang of it and spend a couple of hours going through it, um, I think people have actually come to actually say that this is a more accurate way to do things. At least we're now doing something that we didn't used to do here. Um, that being said, uh, it's, we have spent a number of hours actually after a clinic sitting there going through every single patient that we saw, uh, that could, which could be up to 150 patients in a day, depending on which clinic you think about, going through and making sure we've entered the right codes. And so that adds time onto the provider's day. Um, and I know that the information systems, uh, and Doc, uh, Mr. Cox can kind of elaborate on that, aren't quite up to speed yet to actually send out the, all of those bills. So we're ready on our side. And I think Mr. Cox is implementing new ways to actually get those two systems to communicate and send out bills. We haven't seen necessarily what we're what we're getting from it, but I know we're doing the right thing. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Shaw. Um, Dr. Walker, anything that you have? No. Apparently. 
And <laughs> that's okay. That's all right. You were you were coaching. That's right. fine. Um, I just is there anything that you needed to add? Or is there any report that you want to? Okay. Um, I do want to let the board know while we were talking about the doctor report that um, with without unless you have severe disagreement, what we'd like to be able to do is move the closed session now portion of our meeting to the end of our agenda so that um, our doctors and the and the rest of the staff don't have to to wait during that period of time because many of them come to the QPSC. So we'll now move the closed session to the end of the agenda, which I think gives uh, encourages you to come and and not have to sit around and wait for the board to come out of closed session. So thank you for your presence here. We really want to encourage you to continue to come. Thank you. We we all really appreciate it. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Sorry, I did have one last question. Um, you mentioned the strategic planning uh, meeting that you had with the executive team. Are you going to also go meet with the medical, uh, with the doc, with the providers at the other at Alameda and San Leandro as well? No. No. Okay. Oh. <laughs> you had me. <laughs> you really had me. I didn't know a lot of the <laughs> We uh, the the session that that, that um, Dr. Dr. Shaw mentioned yesterday was stage one of uh, a multi uh, layer session. The three that I just told you about. Um, uh, we those sessions have been uh, open to uh, a, a larger group of targeted clinical leaders, which uh, includes representation throughout uh, the system and and. And then beyond that, uh, there's going to be a two-day uh, uh, leadership uh, retreat that furthers our strategic planning and our budget planning for next year. Uh, that includes uh, a, a greater swath of the organizational leadership, uh, clinical and administrative, and that's uh, more of the providers throughout the system uh, have been invited to participate in those sessions as well. So this was just a first brush with a, with a leadership group, and, and then we, we're, we're digging deeper from there. Okay. Well, some friendly advice. I mean, I, I think it would be great to have sessions at the, you know, where, where the folks, instead of, I mean, I, I appreciate inviting them here or wherever, but I think going out to Alameda and to San Leandro and to Fairmont, for that matter, would be um, helpful at building the relationship. Uh, All right, thank you. Okay, I'm going to move to um, item D, discussion, and the first thing on the uh, on discussion item is the Toyon report update. Um, Yes, and I'd like to introduce um, <clears throat> Rebecca Gephardt, who's the interim uh, director for Healthcare Service Agency, and Nancy Katz from Toyon, who'll be giving the report. Good evening, trustees. I'm Rebecca Gephardt. I'm the acting director of the Healthcare Thank you. Um, good evening, trustees. I'm Rebecca Gebhardt. I'm the acting director of the Healthcare Services Agency. As you all know, the county contracted with Toyon Associates in uh, 2014 to do an assessment of the financial and operating condition of the hospital. And that assessment was shared with the hospital, shared with the Board of Supervisors. And um, a couple of months ago, the Board of Trustees and David Cox, the CFO, approached us to say, um, would you, the county, contract with Toyon for a progress report? We agreed to do this. And um, Nancy Katz, who is the VP for um, Public Hospital Services, is the investigator. She's very knowledgeable about 
um, Alameda Health System's finances, as well as being very knowledgeable about most of California's public hospitals, because she's worked for many of them, and she knows how they're structured and what best practice consists of. So we're really fortunate to have her expertise, and I will turn it over to Nancy to walk you through the primarily the executive summary, because there are a lot of technical details in here, but um, she tried to frame the executive summary into a, kind of a digestible report. Great, thank you. Good evening, everybody. Um, oh, I was hoping this didn't do this. So um, Rebecca already mentioned um, that uh, you know, they were they asked us to do this. So I'm just going to quickly go through background, give some summary comments, um, touch on the highlights, um, and then the status of the recommendations. And I'll go through this really briefly, and then you'll have time for discussion. So. Um, as she said, back in October, the Healthcare Services Agency contracted with us to conduct the assessment of the current financial and operating um, excuse me, scanning of um, AHS, and in basically to see if they were able to make the loan payments to the county. And that included making specific recommendations for improving the financial sustainability and giving recommended metrics for them to report on operational targets. So I'm not going to go through all these line by line, but um, in January we reported to the Healthcare Services Agency and the board on that assessment, basically saying the revenue cycle needed to be improved, expenses needed to be reduced, data and financial reporting and monitoring had to be a priority, and that planned with planned reductions of the revenue cycle, um, planned reductions and revenue cycle improvements that HS should be able to remain viable and pay back the loan. In that uh, summary, we had 14 or 42, oops, 42 specific recommendations. Um, we, AHS has implemented the recommended metrics and they're being reported now um, internally and uh, to the county board. There were over 16 financial reporting and analysis recommendations, over 16 revenue cycle re recommendations. And since the years passed, we were asked to give the, the status of those recommendations. So you all have the detailed report, and I'm just going to summarize this really briefly. So overall, AHS has undertaken significant efforts at both operational and financial improvement. And this was during a time when they've had turnaround or turnover of their leadership. Um, there's definitely been significant improvement. As of November 30th, the system showed a positive net income of $5.2 million. This is compared to a loss of $11.3 million the same time in the prior year. Accounts receivable days, which represent how long it takes to collect on their billings, dropped from 120 days in June of 2014 um, to 86.7 as of November 30th. They've been compliant with the terms of their loan agreement, and they're definitely moving things in the right direction. Leadership should be commended for this effort. Um, I think, though, it's important to know that there's still need for improvement. Um, they're not currently making the current budget um, based on the Kaufman Hall um, forecast and work that they've been doing. 
they need to have continued improvement beyond the current year's budget in order to have long-term sustainability. Um, we've seen that cash collections have dropped off um, currently, and I, I think David will probably talk about that. Um, but the system is undergoing a turnaround. It's a turnaround situation, so it's going to take time to, you know, get completely on track and stabilize. And it's really important that they continue in these efforts, um, both with revenue capture and with cost containment. So, for the status of the revenue cycle recommendation uh, recommendations, there's been a lot of focus on revenue cycle improvement. Um, AHS has had several consulting engagements that are working on providing both management support and work process changes. Um, a recent report on the recommendations from Freed Associates based on their detailed work in the Patient Business and Services Agency, um, it supports what we've seen from a high-level review. The Basically, they have, you know, basic standard reports are in place. Um, the training has been taking place. Denials are being worked, and um, they're starting to address the root causes of the issues. But they have an executive director now for that focuses on physician charging and billing. Um, revenue integrity staff has been, well, it's been somewhat increased. I think they're still trying to hire people. Um, but they've... They've re-implemented the encounter billing edit work list process, the eboos, um, and that's been it's been turned back on and they're being worked. Although there still are issues there, but things are definitely moving in the right direction. Um, while they are moving in the right direction, there's still a lot of issues that need to be addressed. Um, the charging uh, policies, and I don't even know that there is a standard charging policy um, about, you know, timely charges being entered, that there needs to be charging policies and training needs to be in place. Departmental staff have to be held accountable for getting their charges in. Um, the revenue cycle policies for billing and registration um, and those procedures, they need to be followed and the staff need to be held accountable um, probably the, one of the biggest issues is the Sorian system. Um, issues need to be resolved with that system and resources need to be in place to handle and support system issues. Um, staffing shortages need to be resolved. Uh, permanent staff need to be hired uh, to replace the consultants that are in place now. Um, as I mentioned earlier, AR has dropped, but they've also seen a drop off in, in current collections. Um, there's an increase in the amount of edit errors. Some of them were referred to, um, you know, from the, the ingenious system uh, charges coming across and being held. They can't be billed. So basically what I want to say is although there's improvement, there's need for more improvement, and the revenue cycle is not yet stable. So financial um, reporting and analytics, um, they've also shown some improvement as well. Um, we now have, you know, reconciliations are in place so that we know that the GL data that comes from other systems ties to the source systems. Um, that wasn't, wasn't in place when we did the assessment. Um, 
AHS has implemented great processes for monitoring expenses, holding departments accountable for their budgets, um, reviewing positions before departments are allowed to hire or fill vacancies. Um, they continue to work with med assets and they've reviewed all the departments for potential savings, um, finding significant budget savings that are being tracked and monitored monthly. This is all great work. Um, there's, there's still a few things that, you know, have not quite been put into place yet, though. They um, are still not doing calculations to determine what net revenue should be based on the actual, you know, charges and, and um, services that are being provided. It, they're still relying on or accepting what's been collected from patient business services. Once the automated... Um, you know, net revenue calculations through their, their contract monitoring are in place, are tested and implemented in place. That, you know, check balance will be in place, but currently it's not. Um, work is still underway to create a single source of truth for statistics. When we looked in 2014, you know, every report we looked at had a different number of patient days for the, for the fiscal year. Um, they now have Sorian data loaded into their EPSI system, and that is the single source of truth. It's not in place yet, however, for Alameda and San Leandro. We noticed we got different numbers when we were um, working on trying to put cost reports together for fiscal year 15, so it's not yet in place. Um, overall, the ability to get reliable, timely, accurate data is still an issue. Um, there are Issues in I mean, staffing and finance and reimbursement continues to be an issue. Um, the AHS needs to hire permanent staff to support the reimbursement function. You know, a significant amount of the system's revenues come from or, and are dependent on cost data or, you know, their cost data-driven reimbursements. And the resources and the ability to get that data are key. And it's, it's just not in place and, and we're still struggling in that area. So with that, those are my key points, I think. Um, I'll turn it over to let David make any comments and if you have any questions. <clears throat> um, well, we'd like to thank Nancy um, <clears throat> for a very thorough report. Uh, we agree with the recommendations um, <clears throat> and uh, we appreciate the uh, um, <clears throat> things you pointed out where we have made progress, but I just want to uh, confirm what Nancy said. This We are still on the turnaround. There is uh, just a tremendous amount to be done here. We're working very hard at it, um, but we have uh, we have room. We have, uh, it's not fixed yet. I, oh, I'm sorry, Jim, please. I Yeah, um, question for, uh, I have a question for Nancy. So uh, from your experience, um, you know, you know do, doing these kind of engagements, um, um, where would you say we're at in terms, uh, my, my impression from just your comments, and, you know, I know discussions I have with David is that, um, you know, you guys are well aligned, work, you know, work well together, and I get the impression from your comments that um, overall you think we're on the right track. And I just wanted to verify that re if I'm reading that correctly. And definitely. I mean, I think they're definitely on the right track. I, um, you know, there's, there's, just almost, there's just a lot that they were starting at a really low 
point, and um, there was just a lot of um, infrastructure and and just training and stuff that needed to be put into place. Um, and I, I think one of the keys is that they, they have to get some permanent staff in there. Just even, you know, just talking about the reimbursement area, um, you know, our um, firm has, you know, people that are there some days people are there to, you know, work on things, but we do a lot of stuff remotely. And just even having the, if somebody's there on site all the time and building those connections with trying to get data and stuff, it makes it so much easier. And it's, it's just much more difficult um, for a contractor to make those, you know, permanent connections when, you know, staff know that they're going to leave. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's, it's really important to get, to build that infrastructure in the system. Yeah. And I, I would just comment from my own, you know, personal professional background when I first arrived on the board and took a look at the finance shop, I was, um, I, I would say that the, uh, it needed significant improvement to be polite. So um, thanks for being here. But uh, anyway. What, um, what, what uh, I, I, I really appreciate this, what size can you quantify for me, like, how many staff are needed and what time frame would it take to get the right people on board permanently? Um, that's, that's my first question. Uh, and that's to David, I guess. Um, well, I think clearly we need uh, additional resources and uh, reimbursement. It's very hard to find those people. We may have to build them internally. Uh, we contract with Nancy's firm to provide those services to us. We're trying to find people who can help or, per or perhaps uh, they've generously offered to help us train people if we can find a bright young analyst. Um, the other area we need is this um, what's called revenue integrity, which is the whole charge capture area that does all this EBU stuff that you keep hearing about. And we have added staff there. We've got a competent director in place. Um, but um, it's very slow going with, I think we've got three people in the department and they have to go, you know, department by department to train and uh, get processes in place. <clears throat> so we're, we're probably talking less than five bodies, but they have to be the right bodies. David, I was going to ask the same question about staffing. I don't know if Jeanette or Delvecchio can answer, but, you know, what are the titles that you're looking for? What is it that the market in the Bay Area doesn't have these people? Um, what, what seems to be the difficulty in acquiring, given the unemployment rate and the job market and all of those things? I mean, is it, what seems to be the issue? Um, th these are highly uh, technical positions with very specific skill sets. Is our so, is our salary range not sufficient? Um, it's uh, in in general it's not, and and frankly we've had trouble uh, attracting people to join this particular organization due to market perceptions, which we're trying to change. Uh, we, we have been able to bring in some highly qualified people. We have a very good person doing professional billing. Um, we've um, uh, just uh, recruited a permanent uh, vice president of revenue cycle, which is a key position. Uh, she'll be joining us at the end of uh, end of February. And uh, But it's just, you know, you just have to find the right people and get them in the right positions. Director of reimbursement is the one that we need, and it's it's a very hard position to fill. I mean, these are, I think these are, you know, roles that, like David said, are very technical, and they're an extremely high demand. Everyone needs them, and you know, so it's a, it's a national, you know, it's it's a national marketplace that you're fighting in. Really, it's not it's not Thank a local you. thing. You know, people will happily 
pay someone to come from New York to come here to get the right person. So it ain't easy. Maria and then Joe. Well, I'm just, I mean, kind of a general question. I just want to know. I mean, love getting the information. Is there something this board can do other than having this information to help affect these these, these outcomes? I mean, obviously we're paying attention, but is there is there an action we should take? Is there a budget item we should consider? Is you know, should we create a bounty <laughs> to find these people? Um, <laughs> offer them a house in, in the hot Oakland market? I don't know. What is it? <laughs> what, what's currently happening is we're taking uh, both the Toyin recommendations and the Freed recommendations that, that Nancy referenced, and we're. Um, breaking them down and uh, we're going to get the right people in the room and discuss what is the, how we're going to fix each of these problems. And then we're going to come back and report to the board on those. And there may be resource issues. Uh, in some cases, there are um, uh, policy issues that maybe need to be addressed. And we'll, we'll explain those to you when we get to them. So uh, my question, my question is about a comment on the last page, which was that you're still encountering individuals that have a lack of responsiveness and a lack of ownership about the concerns being raised. Um, that's very troubling, given the magnitude of what we've been uh, concerned about here. Um, so uh, I, I want to ask if there's any additional focus on team development, professional development, accountability metrics for individuals uh, who are part of your larger staff? Yeah, uh, yes, we, we have been addressing issues um, like that as we've gone through. And obviously, I don't want to get into any specifics in, in a meeting like this, but um, I, I think that this process we're going to have of uh, uh, going through an action plan and putting somebody's name on it with a date uh, will address those issues or, or certainly surface them. Can you tell me a little bit about the IT Revenue Steering Committee? Because I think some of that responsiveness and that coordination between IT finance, this might be something that would address that, you think? Uh, sure, I'll, I'll comment on that. I mean, uh, it's a very valid point that uh, uh, finance and IT have to work together to solve these problems. And many of the remaining issues we have are the toughest issues to change, which typically our system issues. Uh, one of the recommendations was to, um, you know, get all the appropriate codes and, and edits lined up. That That is essentially a system rebuild. So it's a very complex thing to do. It's something we've been trying to talk about how to do, how to do and uh, we, we've also had issues with implementing um, new systems. For example, the, uh, the rain tree uh, system, which is physician billing, which, by the way, sent out its first bill today. That's progress. Uh, it's up and running. Um, but um, it's become apparent through this that you know we, we lack certain um, expertise in certain areas. We, we uh, for example, don't have really good project management skills internally. Um, but Dave and I are working, we're meeting, and we're talking about exactly what needs to get done. And one of the ways of, of uh, ensuring good communications is to have an IT steering committee. We have a revenue cycle steering committee, but we don't really have a, a committee where people get together just to talk about system issues and develop a plan and uh, <clears throat> look at uh, project implementation plans and resource allocation and things like that. So we, we, su we support that. And particularly since um, we're going to be selecting a new system and implementing it, uh, it's particularly important that we are really organized because from, from my standpoint, that's sort of a life and death decision for us. If we, if we don't do that right, the consequences are going to be severe. 
So it's not, it's going to be put in place very soon. It's not right yet in uh, place. We, we've talked about, um, you know, uh, the scope of the committee, who should be on it, the types of issues that uh, should come to that committee, and the types of discussions we should have. So, yeah. Any other questions on part of the board? Okay. Yes, Rebecca. I just had a final comment, I, um, or a couple comments. I wanted to let the Board of Trustees know that we're going to be presenting this to Health Committee in February as an update so they continue to be apprised about both the successes and implementation of the recommendations. There's two slides of recommendations that those reports and denials units didn't exist before the work that's been done in the last year. So that needs to be called out and acknowledged. And we want to make them aware that this is still a turnaround situation. This is a situation where all of the people who are here are dealing with a system that is not well. It's broken and it needs to be fixed, so there needs to be continued attention on it. And um, Trustee DeVries, I was thinking about your question and what exactly can the board do? And I think the board's in a position to just make sure that senior leadership has this as a priority. Um, and because it's gonna need continued attention, it's one of those things where if you take your foot off the gas for a minute, then advances that have been made are lost because I think, as we all know, um, we're dealing with a lot of culturally entrenched practices and behaviors within the, the depth of the organization that don't change overnight. And so you're really, I think, as you've said at other Board of Trustees meetings, trying to effectuate a culture change, which is really hard and really ambitious. But for the sake of the people of Alameda County, it's absolutely critical. So the county wants to, is invested in your success and want to do what we can to be supportive. Could, could when, when you report this out to the Board of Supervisors, could you say that it's a system that's healing or in rehab instead of broken? <laughs> uh, broken just sounds harsh, and it does Sorry. sound like we're moving in the right direction, and um, words are important. Um, I, I like to say I we're, we're healing, um, but, but we're still under the doctor's care. <laughs> <laughs> and Nancy, I, I want to thank you because the the Toyon report, these five pages give us such an unvarnished reality, and you can get so much from that, that, you know, that distance and the objectivity gives us that we can be in committee and at, the, at board meetings all the time, but this really encapsulates it. So the first report as well as this progress update is very helpful. Thank you. Thank you. Any other questions? Thank you for your attendance. I, I'm sorry. Will there be another update for? Uh, do we plan on another update from Toyon, or is this it? Is this the end? At this time, we don't have another update planned. Anything's possible, though. Um, currently, what's going to happen is we're going to put together our detailed response. Uh, we will be bringing it back to the board. The management team, of course, will be all the way through it, and we will provide it to Nancy and Rebecca so that they have a baseline to measure us on at an appropriate point. Thank you. Okay, let's move on to our, uh, David, the budget report. Sure. <clears throat> okay, thank you. Um, you do have um, a write-up in the package. I believe it's around page 47. Uh, I'm going to make verbal comments and then respond to questions. So um, 
we have done a turnaround. Do you want to say that? Okay, so, and, and I think Nancy gave us credit for that. We were losing money the same last year. We we're making money this year. Um, so uh, patient revenues are actually up 9.8%. All right, so that's that's improvement. That's largely due to the work in the revenue cycle. We budgeted 16.8. We were very aggressive. Uh, we haven't done that, so we, we have room for improvement. Uh, supplementals are actually also above budget by 37 so in total, uh, we have a 7.6 revenue increase, and we're right about on budget in terms of total revenue. Uh, expenses are over budget by 2.8. Uh, part of that is the uh, this uh, GASB 68 issue, but a lot of it is um, expenses. Um, and I should point out that that's a different trend. So if you go back and look at prior years, expenses are going up 6 to 8% a year. So we, we flattened the trend out. We need to keep that going. Um, we, um, you know, went into last year's budget with a, with a intent to actually reduce expenses, and at the end of the day, we didn't do that. We adopted a flat revenue or expense budget. Um, you know, we're a little bit over it, but better than better than prior years. Um, now, okay, as I said, below budget, we need we wanted to be at five percent. We're not. Um, we have uh, we're halfway through the year. Uh, we will be increasing the accrual rate on the Medi-Cal waiver because the waiver is giving us more money than we thought. But as you'll see uh, <clears throat> in a few minutes, uh, the timing of the actual receipt of those, uh, those funds is problematic. Okay. Um, here's the heat map. Uh, in general, uh, volumes are uh, sort of flat. We are down in... Uh, ambulatory visits, and we're down in um, surgeries, which is, uh, uh, you know, a little concerning. Uh, but our gross charges are about where we thought they should be. Uh, revenue yield has been a problem. Uh, we've improved, but it's not up to the point where um, we budgeted, and there are remaining opportunities. I, I believe there's still still 15 to 20 million a year uh, to be had, and we need to get it. We need to get all of that. <clears throat> um, expenses over budget. Uh, interesting, late labor is looking pretty good. Our, our, our uh, what's called a comp ratio is at 67%. That's uh, wages, salaries, and benefits divided by total revenue. So that's good, uh, even even though registries are higher than we'd like them to be. Um, the, the big variances are occurring in purchase services, consulting, pharmaceuticals, things like that. Okay. Question. Yes. I'm sorry. I didn't realize you were finished. I thought you were finished. Please continue. Okay. Um, now the revenue cycle. Let's talk a little bit more about that. So these are. Um, this is a synopsis of the uh, recommendations from Freed and Associates. Um, you will see those reported back to you at some point when we have a have a plan. Uh, but basically, I've broken them down to people, process, and systems. Uh, we have a couple of key recruitments going on. Uh, we, as I said, we have. Uh, completed the recruitment of a VP of Revenue Cycle. Her name's Bernadette Jensen. Uh, she worked for me and Marin, and she's uh, been doing this in the Bay Area for the last 30 years. She's highly, highly experienced and has uh, managed turnarounds uh, in, in uh, various parts of the country. 
Uh, we're also completing the recruitment of a VP of case management. Uh, there are several candidates who are, who are in. This is a really, really key position for us because one of the, the biggest sources of lost revenue is the um, <clears throat> uh, denials through lack of authorization, which typically happens in the case management department. And in addition to the peer revenue cycle, this position really affects the throughput of patients moving through the organization from one location to another and ensures that we're providing care in, in accordance with um, interqual standards, for example. So it's a real, really key recruitment for us. How's that done at this point without having a VP of case management? Is there a department <clears throat> under there, you? There's an acting uh, director who's kind of stepped up, but it's, it's, it's fragmented, in my opinion. So it's, um, this, this needs to happen. Um, ongoing training is something we continue to work on. Um, in terms of processes, um, <clears throat> uh, Highland does not have an observation unit. So patients who come in that are classified as observation patients, we, d we don't get paid anything for that right now. So that's a big opportunity. You mentioned the authorizations, care coordination, uh, charge capture is all of the uh, revenue integrity stuff, and clinical documentation. We need to have a clinical documentation um, improvement program so that our clinicians uh, know how to write so that our HIM department can code appropriately. Um, <clears throat> ongoing system issues, um, we have the reference to zombies, those are accounts that we thought were de done, dead, and, and something happens and they come back to life and all of the related uh, entries on contractuals and revenue go right back into the system and show up and it just becomes a, a nightmare because you really don't know what you have when you look at the uh, uh, AIDS trial balance. <clears throat> um, so uh, remaining system setup issues with the charge master that um, ICD-10 and Ingenious Med have revealed, that's the issue that Dr. Shaw referenced. Um, we need to improve specialty billing for psych, skilled nursing, others. Um, the contracts module was mentioned. That's extremely important because that's the, that's the system that tells us how much we're supposed to get paid for every bill. We don't have that today. So we send a bill out, we get paid something, we write everything else off because we don't know any better. Uh, the other thing we're doing is we're going to start, we're just now starting a 100% review of all claims. We're sending it out to a company called Triage, which um, is local. And what they do is they take the actual contract and the bill and they look at it and they go through and they manually, they have a system, but they figure out how much we should have been paid. And if we've been underpaid, they, they will go back and try to recover those funds. And they get paid on a contingency. So if they don't find anything, they don't get paid anything. And uh, pro professional billing, we already talked about, that's up, up and running, Rain Tree uh, is functional. And um, uh, the thing that's left on that, though, is we need to write all of the interfaces from Ingenious Med and Soarin Financials to Rain Tree so that the billing is automatic. And we don't have that yet, so that's a that's an IT project that we're working on. Okay. Um, with that said, <clears throat> this is our net patient service revenue for the last three years. Now, the, the last bar is actually 2016. Looks like I made a mistake there, but um, I do want to point out that the amount of net revenue and cash that we're bringing in has gone up. So that's improvement. Okay. So we we still have about 20 million to go, but uh, we, we, we have been productive in terms of the, uh, the effort we've put in. Okay. 
Um, the budget process is kicking off. Um, uh, the Finance Committee uh, had a budget discussion, target discussion last month. The Budget Oversight Committee has now met and had a very productive uh, two-hour discussion of what we're going to try to get done and the targets, and so we're going to bring those recommendations back to the uh, Finance Committee next week. And then we'll be formally kicking off the budget process in terms of distributing budgets to our managers next February and then bringing this back for approval. In May and June, we've, we've uh, taken to heart the uh, recommendations and requests from the board, and so we'll make sure that those are built into the process as well. Okay. Um, and then the uh, long-term financial planning is uh, progressing. We are coordinating that with the... Um, strategic planning process. We, we've also reviewed and discussed some of that information with the, uh, the leadership group just recently. So you'll hear more about that as you hear more about the strategic plan. Uh, and then the final thing I'd like to do is report on the cash situation. So there, there have been some changes just in the last couple days. The um, payments under the waiver, uh, according to our late, latest information, are being delayed. Uh, specifically, the, um, there's a, there was a payment due in March, which is supposed to be $23 million. That has now been delayed until May, and there was a payment due in May, or expected in May, of $23 million, which has been delayed to July. So that's a problem. So what that's done is it's <clears throat> put us in a situation where um, we potentially are going to have problems in March and April and potentially have a problem in at the end of the year, June 30th. Um, so, and the other, the other related issues is it's just become uncertain. So it used to be that I, I was giving you one forecast. Now I'm going to, I'm giving you a range, uh, and, and we're providing the same information to the county. So I sort of have sort of a, the a best case, which is in red and the worst case, which is in blue. And we're going to try to manage through that situation. And I'll be meeting with the, um, the county to, uh, to discuss our, our plan to get through that. Uh, and also related to that. The year in target, uh, as I mentioned at the last finance committee, we're, we're going to be looking at some alternative sources of financing. Uh, I have had some discussions with uh, uh, folks uh, who would be interested in providing us some, some uh, liquidity support, like equipment leases or potentially a line of credit so secured by um, accounts receivable. So uh, I'll be reporting on that as we go forward. So that's the, that's the financial situation right now. Happy to respond to questions. Questions? Yes. Um, just uh, so we're going to be discuss um, budget targets in the finance committee in February. Excellent. I think it would probably be useful to just expose the entire board to those targets when when we have the regular board session. So I, yes. I think that would yes. that would help. Okay. Um, I I have I have I do have some comments. Um, Almost exclusively in your report, you talk a lot about revenue enhancement, mm -hmm. but there is seldom any conversation about uh, reductions, expense mm -hmm. reductions. Mm -hmm. um, and almost exclusively, it's revenue enhancement. And mm -hmm. I believe a budget has to, particularly in our situation, has to be both. Uh, I also want to refresh your memory because, as I recall, when you brought the budget to this board in June, um, we did not have time to process it, and I don't want to dig up old 
old processes, and I know you're going to correct that in the future. But one of the things that I believe was promised, because there were individuals, myself included, who said, I don't believe what your forecast here. We, you can't continue to do no, uh, do the same uh, status of the budget without any reductions. Mm -hmm. And what I remember happening is that there was a promise that if, in fact, we were not meeting our targets, that come December you would come back with specific reductions in the organization so that we could, in fact, meet our meet our goals. And that's not occurring. And I know that now with looking at the future and the potential of our, once again, not meeting the cash the cash thing, and it's very likely that we won't. We once again go hat in hand to the county asking for additional support in this issue. I am not in any way minimizing the work that has happened. I, I really see, and the Toyon people have said the same thing, but I don't believe we can just run an organization on the belief that we're going to imp improve the revenue cycle. We have to sit down and talk about those things that we need to reduce. And you've heard me say it before, and I'm going to say it again, that we cannot be all things to all people, and the organization is going to have to really talk about some significant reductions in order to meet our – because knowing and sitting on these committees that I have that we have huge capital outlay – requests in the future, significant that we can't ignore. Mm -hmm. And they, too, will have an impact on what we're doing in the organization. So for whatever it's worth, I just want it on record that something was promised, it hasn't occurred, and we're going to find ourselves right back in the same place that we were last year at this time. And that's before. Uh, I, I appreciate that comment. Um, I, I do want to say a, a lot of this, obviously, um, a lot of the revenue cycle uh, improvement effort is about, you know, bringing in uh, greater revenue to the organization or realizing the revenue that we we're, we're, um, we're, we're, we have the potential to get from the services that we provide, so uh, turning that into actual cash. Um, we have, though, uh, involved or had a great effort on looking at um, opportunities to do expense reductions in the forms of, of uh, efficiency gains for the organization through a lot of different things. You'll, you'll recall um, a huge effort on um, nursing productivity uh, that has occurred. Um, a lot of the efforts, particularly through our engagement with uh, Med Assets, was around uh, looking at uh, ways to streamline and reduce costs in the organization and then looking at that on an annualized basis, meaning what that impact would be to the organization because these different efforts were accruing over the course of this year. Uh, many of those efforts, the efforts in pharmacy, the efforts in nursing, and some of the other um, uh, things that were implemented, uh, we believe have a material value of, I think uh, we, um, um, we valued them at about, was it, Twelve million, or yeah, twelve million dollars on an annualized basis. Uh, we are expecting to see 
those those uh, savings and expense reductions uh, materialize over the course of this year now that those efforts are in place and we're continuing to track and monitor them. Um, we are also um, uh, looking very closely now, um, as David, I think, mentioned a little bit earlier, at you know both sides of the scene, but particularly the expense side, of uh, making sure that that expense budget that he mentioned uh, uh, comes back into line as close as we can. Uh, I do want to point out what he said uh, uh, is some it's it's material uh, that uh, this year for the organization again prior to my arrival, but that the leadership um, budgeted a flat budget because essentially that means a reduction because of uh, increases that are natural sort of uh, inflation. So um, wage increases that are contracted for labor on the order of 2 to 3 percent means that essentially for your revenue or for your um, payroll and uh, salary and expense budget, you should be saying 3 percent. So if you're saying I'm going to keep costs flat, that means you're going to find that somewhere else in the organization where you're going to eliminate those costs. So so where he's saying historically those, those increases have been on the order of I think he said 6 to 8 percent uh, for the organization to to uh, budget uh, that there will be flat for the year is pretty aggressive to now be running at what 2.5 or 3 percent or somewhere around that is is obviously not meeting the flatness but is really far below the historical 6 to 8 percent increase as well so so we don't take this lightly uh, uh, we are um, we've talked uh, quite um, extensively as a leadership team on how are we going to track these things and what sorts of things are we going to do to um, uh, between now and then to address them I did not know and I apologize uh, for not knowing but I didn't know that we uh, that there was a promise to come back with some sort of plan to the, to the board uh, to this effect by December. Um, uh, but I'm happy to take a look at that, and, and we can come back as a group and tell you where, where we are on that in, in the next meeting. I, I'm just one voice. So sure. so that was what I believe was the promise. And, um, and so it's just me. So because I'm venting doesn't necessarily mean that you guys need to do do something different. Um, the, and, and I really appreciate what you said. I can see the organization moving in, in the right direction. I can. And we've had the report on the, the pharmaceutical, yet the expenses are going up. I mean, we've stopped doing lean, which I thought was a great process, and now that's down to minimal, and we're not doing anything, and we could have recaptured some things. So I do, in fact, trust your leadership. I, I really do. What I find very disconcerting is that I don't believe the county supervisors are going to be giving us money anymore. And we have, in fact, we'd be in a huge mess if that waiver hadn't come through. So the waiver is keeping us afloat for a little bit of time here. Uh, I know what's on the horizon. We've talked about those issues, the capital outlay issues. I mean, it's going to be huge. And we're going to have to find a way in which, and I'm hoping that the strategic planning process perhaps will do that or, or the fine strategic plan financial, but we're going to have to really cut back on some of the initiatives that we would love to do and to serve this community. But we're not going to be able to stay afloat, and I don't think the county is going to come to the rescue. And if I could amplify what you said, um, I share the same concerns. And I, I think I'll say my concern is 
you know, it gets bigger the farther out we go into the future. You know, I, I, if you were to, you know, it, you, you don't have to work hard at this. If you take the, if you take the P and L and say how much is supplemental revenue and support and all of that and take that out, um, we're running an extremely unprofitable operation. That doesn't mean we're bad. That's the nature of this kind of an operation. The challenge is, is that the waivers, I think we're assuming, we have to assume, aren't going to be available in five years. That's a huge hole. That's a huge, huge, huge hole in our, our you know, for us, at the same time, there's been a lot of deferred capital. I don't want to, um, you know, I don't know what the answer is other than it's a very large sum over a very large period of time, and that's just to do the things that we do, let alone do more. Um, you know, and I'll turn around another context and say, but, you know, you have, but I'm really concerned about this thing. Um, so, and I think this is all going to come out in the strap plan and the, and the strategic financial plan, but we've got some pretty serious stuff, you know, you know, as a management team, but also as a board to um, think through. And, um, yeah, and we can't rely on the county or anyone else. And, uh, and, I, and, I don't think, and I don't think that this is an issue. I think this is an issue that, you know, where you came from, was facing too. It's, this is a, uh, you know, we're, we're not we're not special, which doesn't make it feel any better. But <laughs> anyway, that's uh, that's my amplification. I have a question. In in in, in the in, in the in the hope of being supportive and constructive. Um, I have a question about the perception that somehow we're going to recover all of the charges that are out there. Last I heard, we're a safety net hospital. And last I heard, we have a lot of patients who really are in a position that they simply cannot pay. And so uh, I'm, I'm concerned that at some point, not tonight, but help us understand what is the projected amount of money that we really always will count on basically going out the door because of our patient mix being what it is. Um, I think we need to manage expectations about that, and, mm. and I, I think you've brought it up before. I keep seeing that you bring up, you know, our recovery of those costs are being uh, mm. tried in various ways, and I'm glad we're doing that. I'm sure mm. there are people that can pay and don't and should be paying, um, but I'm a little concerned that we manage expectations since we are a public safety net. So, yeah, thank you, and I wanted to point out that at the uh, <clears throat> finance committee this time. I'm, we're going to be doing an educational session on supplemental reimbursement. Okay. So Great. We'll be talking about each of these programs and what the projections yeah. look yeah. like. Okay. Thank you. I, I just, um, as much as I'm all about the, the fact that we're a safety net hospital, I actually think that part of the culture change is throughout the organization getting people to understand that there are people who are now insured because of the Affordable Care Act. And, and I, I actually think that I would push back that, the, mm -hmm. and I think I'm, I'm right that we we've not been collecting revenue that we that we could easily collect, because just like doctors not filling out their form, their their um, being delinquent. Mm -hmm. I mean, a year ago, two years ago, they were way more delinquent, and I I think that the attitude for a lot of them was, well, these people can't pay, so I'm not you know why why I'm going to give them you know health care, and I'm not going to worry about that, and and that 
culture has to change. Am I, am I correct? And that, that's been a big part of it, uh, of our um, efforts at capturing <clears throat> revenue? Well, I'm not sure if the viewpoint was they're not going to pay. So, I mean, there, there's a, there's sorry, a legal not, requirement for physicians to I, sign yeah, records. I'm, that's not, just, I'm, yeah. I'm not phrasing this properly, <laughs> okay. but... Um, yeah, I, I think we're, we're if, I, if I could, it's not necessarily, certainly not necessarily uh, exclusive to to the providers or, or may in many cases not apply to them, but, but there are in many cases misunderstandings in, in safety net settings about the ability to recover uh, actual reimbursement for services because there's a mindset that, oh, no, they, we, we're funded by the county, that the taxpayers will take care of us, and, and that sort of uh, mindset can permeate uh, safety net organizations. I. I can't say with any degree of uh, uh, sort of you know accuracy of how much that may exist within our organization. I think part of what also happens too is is and this may have been part of one of the comments you you pointed out earlier. There is a um, there is also sort of a um, a culture of. Uh, whether the systems are in place to do these types of things. So if they are not in place or if they are, if there's a, a crap load of workarounds that that might disincentivize people or uh, to do the work or the accountability for them to actually do that type of work uh, uh, isn't as rigorous as it may be in, in other entities. Um, You're right to point out, though, that uh, uh, thanks to the ACA that a good proportion of our, um, our uh, uninsured and self uh, pay, uh, uh, patient population is significantly down, uh, and so that means that there are resources in place to cover the cost of care, and that's what this is about, to get that, even when those aren't the, necessarily the most generous payers, um, there is some payment, and one dollar is better than no dollar. Uh, and, and then also, I think it's important to point out in this context that one of the ten strategic priorities that uh, we've been working on as a team this year, and, and this is David and his team's leadership, uh, was a managed care strategy, too, and we've talked about that before, too that uh, there is a proportion of our um, uh, payer mix throughout our system that actually uh, has commercial insurance. And historically, the rates that we have assessed those, uh, those uh, uh, payers has not necessarily kept, uh, kept pace with the cost of care. And so we've been going through, David and team, again, a rigorous effort to, to, bring, those up to um, bring those up to scale. So then that also influences our ability to collect on, on those services appropriately. Uh, well, I, I uh, concur with everything that's been said, but um, the reality might be that um, this is a flawed business plan and that uh, the only way that thing's ever going to straighten itself out is for the county to either forgive the debt that we owe them or give us more money because as my little story I've told so many times, I get it confused, but we just don't have enough money to do everything we're asked to do. And I think what they're concerned about is that if they give us too much money too quickly, we don't save it. We tend to find some way to spend it. And then we're back pretty soon asking for more money. And um, I do think this meeting that's coming up in March between uh, hope, hopefully the whole Board of Supervisors and this whole board will lead to some frank discussions that um, ultimately, no matter what David says or any all of these consultants say, is we aren't going to have any money to pay the bills. And we can tell them, look at the books and look at all the flows and look at all the, the red lines and the blue lines, and they're going to say, well, we can't pay our own bills with those red lines and blue lines. We need money. 
And uh, I think the sooner we have that meeting with the Board of Supervisors and say, no matter how hard we try, uh, the business plan is very difficult and it's difficult to make it work. And there is a social need and the money needs, if you want the social need to be covered, the money has to come from some other source. This business plan cannot generate the money that appears to be needed. And, uh, and it kind of gets it then off of our, that we're doing something wrong. We're trying to do something with a plan that maybe doesn't work in this economy, in this area at this time. And so it probably does need an interjection of some significant amount of additional cash or credit, but it also needs, we also need to be able to convince the people that are giving us that, that we'll spend it wisely. And we won't go off and spend it on things that aren't really directed to the core job we have. And uh, I know it's hard to distinguish what's really needed and what's needed, but I think maybe from time to time, some decisions have been made that resulted in things being done that weren't really needed when there were things around that really were needed. And uh, that's why our receivables are so uh, slow. That's why our payables are way behind what you know what would make someone comfortable who sells us stuff when he knows he's not going to be paid for 120 days. It's very difficult to run your own business when you don't get paid for 120 days. And that's what makes it hard for us to hire people <clears throat> because they are concerned as to what, where this facility is going, where this organization is going, and they don't want to stake their careers on on something that is tenuous. So I think, you know, again, I'm, uh, I'm preaching to the choir here, but until, until we have an interjection of cash where we're not going from, you know, day to day trying to keep the lights on, uh, it, it's, it's going to be very difficult. And until we have a discipline that says if you give us the cash, we will identify core needs and only spend the money there until we get ourselves in a position where we are running more smoothly and we are, or we are able to weather storms where we don't have to not pay our payables or we, we don't have to get advances from the county to be able to make that uh, blue line or red line, whatever it is, not go over that black line at the end of the end of the year or end of a quarter. I, I think that's you know I, I've been you know for all the years I've been on here I've been complaining about costs and I've been complaining about the system, but I really have concluded that the only way to to address it is to we need more money. We can't do it with the money we have. Yeah. A, a lot of great points. Uh, let me just say that um, I think that. Um, I, like you, I'm very optimistic uh, or hopeful, I should say, about the, the joint meeting between this board and the, and the Board of Supervisors with respect to uh, uh, the, the long-term uh, agreement and uh, how best to position that. Um, uh, we are uh, having, at the administrative level, ongoing discussions around uh, uh, what that agreement should look like. Um, I can share, uh, a lot of the details are still moving, but I can share with you that uh, um, I have taken the approach of, you know, there, there's probably a reason why this didn't work in the past, and uh, lest we be, uh, uh, you know, guilty of squandering an opportunity to take a fresh look at whether uh, uh, 
this is a is, is a flawed um, uh, structure with respect to the debt agreement, and that we should really try to uh, uh, step back and look at what's realistic, uh, uh, for both for this organization and for the county and for our long-term partnership. I think that message is going through. Um, I think there's still a bit of uh, uh, uncertainty about what what will come from this, but I'm at least encouraged that. Um, uh, at least my initial impression was that um, uh, we were we were poised to kick the can down the road, if you will, and I didn't have a degree of confidence uh, or comfort around that myself. And I think that's that's been understood. And I, I so I think we have willing ears. I I am sensitive to you know concerns that may be on their side of the the ledger, for which I may not fully appreciate or understand. But but I think a lot of what you said uh, has great merit. And, and I think that has uh, that's been uh, part and parcel to the kind of message that me and the rest of the team are uh, are trying to articulate, and in the hopes that we can find some medium that uh, positions all of us for a more uh, successful, uh, less stressful uh, endeavor going forward, with the appreciation that for us, uh, understandably so, there's a degree of accountability uh, that you know uh, the county may not have felt, uh, uh, I'll say over time in the past, that we don't want to repeat, uh, that we want to make sure that they understand that we are constantly vigilant about all the things that we've been talking about today, that we are constantly working to uh, fix those things, and that there is no cavalier uh, since certainly amongst this board, as, as indicated by what you've been saying, but uh, amongst our team and the organization that when all, all else fails, we can just go to the county and they'll bail us out. We, we don't operate that way. Uh, uh, we, don't, we don't espouse that uh, within the leadership and certainly throughout the rest of the organization. So I, you know, I'll just say in short, I agree with you know, everything you said. I think your points are, are poignant, and I'm hopeful that uh, both our internal work uh, leading up to that meeting and the work and the, uh, the discussion that uh, the collective governing entities can have around this will we'll, uh, net a different, uh, a different you know, way of viewing how this, uh, what our needs are and how we can work together in partnership for meeting this mission that we have. Thank you. Uh, anything else? Uh, okay, we'll move on. I need a. M I'm sorry, Joe. I'm, I'm sorry. I do just want to, and I know we're going to get a legislative update later. But I just want to point out that it's not just about going to the county; it's about the state, and the medical rates are ridiculous. And that's, I mean, come on. Right. <laughs> How long have we waited? And and we have political, you know, leadership here in the Bay Area. I think the governor lives here when he's not in Sacramento. I mean, we need. And I, and I know we have willing assembly members and, and state senate representatives uh, and people who are planning to run for state senate who are on the board of supervisors. I mean, we really need the state to prioritize health care, medical reimbursement more aggressively than they're talking about right now. Yeah. And I think we need to unite. And, and if we have to, you know, go to Sacramento and take it over, whatever, I mean, you know, I think we need to be more vocal about that than, yeah. than maybe we are. Maybe we need to paint outside the lines and, and get a little angry. That, that might be a good agenda item to put on that joint meeting is to find a way in which the county and, and can help uh, use their influence as well as ours to do some lobbying to increase that. I think that's a, that's a good point. And I know they agree. I mean, this is, yep. everyone yes. knows it. Yep. Let's go do it. 
This is work being done. Uh, I sit on, uh, by virtue of this role, both the um, the California Association of Public Hospitals uh, Board as well as the California Hospital Association Board. And uh, both have been uh, very active in this space, uh, uh, particular emphasis on uh, CHA because CAPH, we've been focusing on the waiver so much, but, but CHA uh, uh, looking across the board uh, 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 statewide, I should say, has been very vocal about uh, the Medi-Cal rates and uh, the inadequacy of them. Uh, and trying to get the legislature and the governor uh, to, uh, to uh, one, restore cuts that were done during times of uh, uh, um, recession, um, but then even to recognize that even that uh, uh, will probably not be enough. And as you know, it, well, perhaps you know, uh, the governor is really, really keen on um, uh, solvency and rainy day and making sure that the state is in a, be a, a great position going forward, which I don't think anybody begrudges, uh, but a lot of people are saying that, you know, it's, it's sprinkling right now. Uh, so, you know, we need to, we need to recognize that and do something about it. Mm -hmm. Good. I, I'd like to move the agenda um, forward. So thank you for the discussion. I think it was rich. David, despite all this, we recognize the hard work that you are doing. So don't let this frustration um, affect your your psyche. We, we do recognize the work that you've done. So thank you. Um, can I have a motion for the consent calendar, please? <clears throat> All those in favor? Thank you. Uh, I'd like to move on to action item number F, and this is the board elections um, for our, our officers. Um, you see the names in front of you, and if I can pull it up on my own agenda here, um, we will start with the um, we'll start with the election of president. Are there any, is there anybody else who wishes to to serve in that position? Any other nominations? You dirty dogs. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm teasing. I appreciate the honor that you've given me. I do. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, I appreciate it, too. Thank you. Um, so I will close that nomination. All those in favor of Michelle Lawrence continuing as president? Aye. She's now elected as president. Let's move to vice president. And let me see if I can see where this is. Thank you. Um, we, uh, are there any other nominations for vice president or any changes to the vice president? Um, okay, hearing no other nominations, I'm going to take it one at a time. All those in favor of Joe DeVries, can I see a uh, show of hands, please? Okay. Uh, all those in favor, oh, that's four, I think. All those in favor of, of Jim? <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, for the purposes of, I'm going to put my vote to Joe. And Jim, the reason is because I have your strength in finance, and I think this balances out. So this, this is the one, this is a, Perfect example of democracy. Congratulations. <laughs> or, or soccer, as the case may Thank be. you very much. Uh, then we have, um, for moving to secretary. I'd like to 
for all my name. Thank you very much. <laughs> Whoever nominated me, thank you. <laughs> okay. And now I have um, the role of secretary. Any additional names wish to be included? Okay. Then um, can I ha see a show of hands for Maria for secretary? Four? Oh, gosh. Uh, can I see, um, where's our fifth board member here? Can I see, can I see a recommendation for, for Tracy? Okay, we have four, four, and uh, yeah. So um, I'm going to move to Maria so we can break the, we can break the tie. Thank you. Okay, um, moving to board goals. Will the board look at board goals, please? What is that on? Oh, the, I'm sorry, did I miss the committee assignments? Yes. Thank you. Um, are there any objections to these committee assignments? No, but what is the investment Oh, go ahead. Uh, it, uh, it, we, a board member has to serve on this. We learned about this in the HR committee last year, and um, uh, it's to serve on the. Actually, I'm not going to do the, the justice. Jim or Tracy could probably explain it better than I. <laughs> well, Tracy's Tracy's, Tracy's on, it. on the committee. We, 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 we nominated her to it some months ago because she has. We have to have a member on it, and she has. A, and she's a willing to continue. And, and, yeah. So, so this it's is the, the board. Committee. This is the board that. Oh, oh go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. Well, it's it, it's the committee that oversees our, um, our our benefit plan, or excuse me, our invest uh, our our investment plan. And so it was an internal committee that was formed. Requires one member of the board to serve on it. Uh, the initial appointee was uh, Trustee Potter, and then uh, when he resigned from the board, uh, Trustee Jensen was reappointed in his place. So okay. Okay, are there any um, changes or objections to the committee? Are you all willing to serve as, as assigned? Okay, I thank you very much. So um, then I have one other issue in this before we move to board goals. Um, I reserved my uh, president report to this portion of the agenda, and I just wanted to uh, let the board know that that board meeting for our um, county is on March 2nd from 2 to 4. So that's the joint meeting from 2 to 4. Um, finance is usually meets on that same day at 4 o'clock, and so I would request that finance move back to 5 o'clock so that we have enough travel time for people to who are attending that joint meeting to to get to that five o'clock meeting. I could say something funny, but sure, that makes perfect sense. Great. Okay. In, in fact, and, and why don't we just say that if you know the meeting will the meeting will commence one hour after that uh, joint meeting. Thank, thank you. That gives that gives us great flexibility. Yeah. Susanna, okay. would you please make note of that and and. Do we know where? Will that be at the board of supervisors? I'm assuming the board of. Do, do you know the location? Oh. Oh, at the training center across the street. Yeah. Okay. So we'll send it out. 
Okay, we'll send that information out. So that's a joint meeting, uh, March 2nd. I do hope that you can all arrange to, to come. I think it'll be important. Uh, okay, moving to the board goals. And would you review those board goals? I'm very pleased we had an ad hoc committee by uh, Trustee Ken Kinney who was willing to sit down and look at board goals and proposes this for consideration. She's run it by me. Um, I certainly can adhere to it. Uh, how are the rest of you feeling? Um, I, I have one question. Um, it mentions visited all, the first goal, third line, visit all nine hospital and ambulatory clinics. Um, I count eight. Which, which, are, <laughs> which is the, uh, so, um, which is the ninth? Highlands counted twice. Highlands counted twice. Well, that, that's so fair. Facility <coughs> and the facility and the distance. Uh-huh. acute and the wellness center. Okay. Oh, okay, so you're right. Okay, thank you. Well, I just, uh, <laughs> That's okay. That's, uh, we like the numbers, people. Clarif clarification, there's no problem. That's so, good. So if, so if you've done the tour of Highland, you get two. You get two. Yeah. So I say, okay, very good. All right. Well, you have to come to the clinic part, though. You can't. Okay, He's been. I know he has. <laughs> I've really been. I, I volunteer to take you through the clinics anytime you want. Um, I mean, the Highland. <laughs> oh, actually, you and I toured the, um, the new site, the office site. Is that that's right. That's nine. Uh. Oh, yeah. oh, that's yeah. the, that. the new office building All down the, by the uh, yeah. yeah. I was, well, well I these are not my goals, so please uh, forgive me, but uh, we have uh, SNPs as well. Uh, so yeah. if you were to Alameda Hospital, I've spent a lot of time at John George, so <laughs> no. But I've, I've toured John George twice in the last in the past well, year. Does ladies that count? and gentlemen, this is not. I'm not <laughs> counting your things here. I'm asking whether or not these goals are the things that you want. Delvecchio, thank you for playing. Um, but can you clarify number two a little bit? What are those? Certainly. I, Absolutely. Uh, so I, I think one of the things was that given this new, with new leadership in the internal leadership, a thawing and warming of relationships with the supervisors and this constant um, intent of this board to be working in sync with some of our external partners as well, we think this is a very great engaged fabulous board internal looking but really up I think you tapping the potential as ambassadors not just for a mission but for a sustainable business plan is so important and having us be um, um, seen uh, having us interact with both the internal stakeholders our clinical um, staff as well as our external staff so this was more about being our role as advocates for a mission and our business. I, I um, just don't know what meetings we're talking about. Community AHS event slash meeting per year. What is an example of that? Like the forums. The, for, well, well, the forums are employee forums. forum, employee. medical. Isn't there like a tomorrow celebration? Tomorrow's community celebration. The doctors. Sure. Okay. I think. Um, 
Galter Lake, uh, just a logistics question. Is there somewhere that we're supposed to coordinate tours through or visits through? Because I just know we should just show up. Susanna. So give give Susanna a call and then she'll contact the the right people to to get you to serve. Uh, any other questions on yes. this one? Yes. Yes. Um, I, I I think they're all great. Um, one thing. I mean, this is a I mean this is a big, large, serious business. I think it would be helpful if one of the things we did is get out of the house at least once. You know, go to go to some industry conference or You know, some place where we can. You know, meet people from other hospitals, learn best practices, something like that. I mean, it doesn't have to be the um, luxury extravaganza at the Broadmoor a couple of years ago that many of us went to. But you know, but something, but something where we get out of the house. I think that would be a very good so, thing. Uh, I was, I was whatever. Was, you want to propose? Excuse me. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to to cut you off. Yeah. No, that's okay. Um, I just I, just in terms of process. Sure. Um, you're suggesting we add a fourth goal. Correct. Okay. To to attend, um, you know, to attend a um, you know, an you know, an industry or professional conference. That involves more than Alameda Health System or the or Alameda County. Great, and then I'm assuming you will you will. I, yeah, I can I can help with ideas. So so I, the Broadmoor, unfortunately, was the governance institute. It's yeah. a great gathering, I, but I get that the 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 sort of. Uh, the expenses of it are, are a little unsavory for for uh, some. Um, we could always stay down the street. That's okay. Uh, yes, that's true. Well, well, there is some rules that they have with respect to uh, oh, hotels, but that's okay. What I was going to say is there are other gatherings uh, that aren't necessarily as board heavy. Uh, so mm -hmm. if you're willing to, you know, uh, sort of trade. Uh, uh, the experience of uh, it, uh, engaging with uh, additional trustees, but want to learn more about like what's happening throughout industry and, and maybe yeah. jog your ideas about what we should be doing. Uh, both the California Association of Public Hospitals has their annual conference, and you would be more than welcome uh, to attend that. In fact, I'd love you know to have some of you come there and, and participate in those. Uh, but we also are part of America's Essential Hospitals. Again, another uh, industry or, or industry group that is uh, mainly around safety nets that include folks like us and and uh, a little bit slightly different. Uh, and they have an annual meeting as well. Uh, this upcoming one is in uh, July, I believe, it, and it's in Boston. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, some of us have to go, but it's not. You know, it's it's not the. It's you know, it's more of a middle tier sort of uh, uh, accommodation. So I, I don't think it'll. I hope it wouldn't uh, uh, jar you or anything like that. But but there are a couple of ideas like that. CHA does stuff in uh, Sacramento and throughout the mm -hmm. state too. That may be things that may be of interest as well. Yeah, that's that's. I think we need to be focusing on California. I, sure. I really. I just want to say that I don't mean to point my finger. Here, that's okay. But you know, California, Sacramento. I mean, let's 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 hone in. I don't need to go okay. to Boston. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, I really think we need to look at. I mean, we're in California. This is yeah. it, right? And yeah. let, like, and I want to know what other hospitals in California are dealing with that are public as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, so that would be mostly to your point about our business plan being Sorry. flawed. It's, I think that's true of all public hospitals or safety net hospitals. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so it'd be mostly CAPH, uh, and there's a 
few of those that may make sense. CHA does a fair amount more, including some things that are governance related, but that will be more not-for-profit uh, or uh, well. So, so the question in terms of process is whether or not you're willing to add the fourth goal, and that is to attend outside of, of, and then you guys can make your decision whether or not you want to go to Boston and yeah. or stay with and California. So we let's don't keep all have it. To go together. That's right. Let's keep it. Let's keep it open enough that yes. And there's one more thing uh, in addition to that goal. Your microphone. Uh, I thought we were all committed to attend the, our foundation's event each year. I know I went last year and I was the under the, the gala. I was under the impression that that was something we were all trying to consistently attend. I don't know that we've ever had anything formal. I think that we have, in fact, but if you're willing or you want to add that. Um, Just a commitment to make the effort to attend. If possible, if you yeah. got a wedding that weekend. Of course. Come, right? But know. I think that it says a tremendous um, yeah. commitment uh, uh, to our foundation. It, it does, and I think the encouragement to go would be important. I would, I would suggest you don't put it as a goal because it's a one-night thing, and if it's on there and you don't go, then okay. you've not met your requirements. You so have an option of the Alameda Hospital Foundation, which is an, another organization. So if, if you can't make it to the Alameda Health System Foundation, then you there can. You go. Do they let us know? Do they let us know? Ladies and gentlemen, okay. that's not the conversation. The conversation is about whether or not we have the board goals. So we've added a fourth, we've added a fourth goal. And now, uh, Susanna, did you get that on record? The fourth goal? Thank you very much. Uh, all in favor of adopting the goal? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Terrific. You have board goals. Can I make one little comment? Yes, you can. Thank you. I would On goal number two about um, employee-centered and community AHS events, I would like to figure out how we could be out in the Alameda County community more, not at AHS events, because what's the motivation for people? I want to know how we could go out to where our, our population is and be ambassadors for AHS. And so I just want to, I don't want to make, you know, I, I just, I'm not sure how we do that. Well, uh, why don't we ask Del Vecchio if you would, in fact, address that? Because I think we all have that desire to to make certain that we have a face for Alameda. And so if you right. could go back and then perhaps give us a list of the things that we might do or where we could go to to meet that. I'll work with uh, Susanna and others to create one. I mean, an example was one tonight uh, that's happening in... Um, uh, San Leandro, actually, and um, unfortunately, it overlapped with this meeting. But we were going to extend to uh, some of you the ability to attend a uh, meeting that was, yeah, there's a chamber of commerce event, and we have some leader and representation there, and working with the city and some of the leaders there too. But, but we can come up with a list of some of those things where it'd be great to have uh, representative. Uh, um, yeah, maybe our public relations department can, yeah. in fact, help we'll, us we'll with come that. Up with That's a great, I, I'd great also like to, to give you another opportunity. We we have a parade in Alameda, and we have a cable car that. That all of the board members, if you'd like, you oh, can no, come and be like in the parade on the 4th of July. So. Hmm. <laughs> well, I'm not going to invite you to the How Berkeley Can You Be Parade, so uh, that might not be up your, up your alley. Okay, uh, thank you.
We're going to move to item number three, the Oak Care Agreement, and I think we have um, Barry. Do I'm going to recuse myself and step out until you're finished with this one. Okay, thank you. Can, um, can I have a motion to approve the agreement? Yes. Thank you. Uh, any discussion? Um, I appreciate all the background information. It's quite lengthy that they've put in there. Um, are you ready for a vote? Okay. All in favor? Aye. Opposed? Thank you. Thank you. Um, let's move on to item number four, the resolution of commitment to trauma care. Can I have a resolution? I mean, a, a, a motion for approval? I move. Okay, can Kenny and and Luciani? Thank you. Why? I mean, I think it's great. It's mainly because the last time, so we get ready for these surveys. We present the information. The last time it was done, the resolution still says Alameda County Medical Center. So that's a main reason we're we're switching it. So and you have and there's new board members, so we want to make sure that we're demonstrating new continued commitment. Okay. All those in favor? Aye. Opposed? Very good. The report on our status of HRSA. Do you um, want to make some comments here? Actually, I want to. I want to ask for a, uh, a continuation of this item. Uh, we wanted to bring it before you tonight in anticipation that your meeting with the the uh, joint meeting was going to preempt the the next. Um, business meeting, uh, but now that it's in March, it isn't. And essentially what we'll be telling you is uh, the uh, review, one, that we finally got the report back from her, so this was about the FQHC status uh, of our clinics. Uh, and one of the big pieces, as we talked about before, was the requirements around governance. And so there's a recommendation for uh, a co-applicant board that we would have to do uh, between this board and the uh, Board of Supervisors that sort of addresses the need while reserving uh, um, or preserving any of the powers of either one of those individual boards. So we'll bring that before you in greater detail so you'll understand it. But then there'll be that's one of the discussion items for the joint meeting as well. So Okay. Can I have a motion to table this? Uh, yes. Thank you. Thank you. All those in favor? Aye. Great. Thank you. Okay, um, we have down to committee reports that are written. Barry, do you want to add anything? It's You've got your written report. Qualities, professional services, finance. Okay, yes, they're all written reports. Uh, any questions? Okay, let's move on to information on the media. You have a media report in your packet. Uh, which I think was quite thorough. Um, I would do want to give heads up to, I mean, uh, uh, kudos to Jerry and thank her for the work that she's doing for this um, gala tomorrow or for our dedication tomorrow. I think she's done a great job and appreciate the work. Uh, legislative affairs, anything, any comment there? Mr. DeVries, anything? Uh, I think I made my comment. Thank you. Okay. Um, We've reported already on closed session. Um, the last public comment. Mr. Rose, anything additional you wish to say? I get an, I, I get an extra hour, did you say? I can do that. Uh, no, I appreciate uh, you listening to the comments that we have about uh, 
particularly the mentor on discharge program. Uh, I, I think that uh, right now with the Kaiser uh, financing <coughs> this with their grants over the last four years shows promise with that program and uh, I just don't understand why the Board of Supervisors can approve the program and behavioral health care services takes two years and they're still not funding it. They've got the authorization to do it. And so any help that you can provide us in encouraging behavioral health care services to move forward on this. Actually, the uh, Board of Supervisors was a little bit concerned that it's been two years since nine proposals have not been acted on that they approved uh, two years ago. So the uh, Board of Supervisors at their last board meeting asked Behavioral Health Care Services to report on the status of these programs at the next health care meeting uh, on uh, February the 11th. So I will be there listening to what the status is from Behavioral Health Care Services and why they can't implement these programs which were approved two years ago by the Board of Supervisors. Thank you very okay, much. Thank you very mm -hmm. much for your uh, Can I have a motion to adjourn? Yes. I just want everyone to know, um, Joe, Joe is um, uh, really is a great friend of the patients at John George, mm -hmm. and um, the Mentor on Discharge program, I think, has done, you know, he's really working hard to help people who are still very, very ill and in many, and in many ways very disadvantaged um, to um, try to stay out of the hospital uh, once they've been discharged. And so um, Thank you. I just wanted to... Put a little Th color thank on you that. very much. And, and now I move to adjourn. To adjourn. Can I just say one thing on that, though? Right now, we are implementing that program in San Francisco and in Santa Clara County, and Contra Costa County is interested <laughs> in it also. So that's the value that other counties are seeing in the program, as well as okay. what we see here in, in Alameda County. Thank, thank you, you very again. much, Mr. Rose. We appreciate your attendance here. Um, I heard a motion yeah. for adjournment. Second. All in favor? Yay. Okay. Out. Thank you.